If you hate anxiety and want to learn what you can do to get rid of it, then you're in the right place. I'm Larry Quicksall, a mental health therapist with 30 plus years in the field. I've spent the past decade specializing in helping those with severe anxiety disorders, and today I'm bringing my knowledge, insight, and experience to this podcast. My goal is simple, to help you escape the pain and frustration of anxiety so you can better enjoy your life. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. Today I want to talk about one part of a specific diagnosis that can also apply to other anxiety disorders. And so what I'd like to do is take a look briefly at what are some of the symptoms of or the criteria for a diagnosis of agoraphobia and then focus on one specific part, okay? So when we look at agoraphobia, and I'm reading from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM-5, it has that agoraphobia is a marked fear, and marked simply means it's significant. It's enough that you would make notation about it. It's not just normal, it's, it's beyond. Marked fear or anxiety about two or more of the following five situations. Using public transportation, being in open spaces, being in enclosed spaces, standing in line or being in a crowd, or five, being outside of the the home alone. So we're talking about a variety of different situations. Some may involve uh, other people, some may not. But uh, the person has marked fear or anxiety about two or more of those. Now, the next part of the criteria says the individual fears or avoids these situations because of thoughts that escape from the situations that escape might be difficult or help might not be available in the event of developing panic-like symptoms or other incapacitating or embarrassing symptoms. This could be, for example, fear of falling in the elderly or fear of incontinence. But for most people, it ties into fear of panic attacks occurring. Now, letter C says, the agoraphobic situation almost always provokes fear or anxiety. And then here's the one that has the part that I want to focus on. The agoraphobic situations are actively avoided, comma, require the presence of a companion or are endured with intense fear or anxiety. I put the emphasis in my voice on requiring the presence of a companion. That's one of the traits that I see quite a bit whenever I'm working with a person that has agoraphobia, where it's it's really contained with that. Now, there's a lot of different, as I mentioned, there's, there's different disorders uh, in anxiety or trauma-based disorders where a person may use a companion, but this we're just kind of focusing on, um, well, I mean, not, not the companion part. I mean, as far as the fear of going outside, you know, those, those five criteria uh, or five um, situations 
the public transportation, open spaces, and closed places, being in a crowd outside the home alone. You'll find those in other ones as well. But what I see so often is, with agoraphobia, that need for a companion. And that's what I wanted to focus on today, is what is the role of a companion when you're looking at agoraphobia or sometimes other similar conditions? Well, if a person has a very strong belief that anxiety is going to occur, if they have a very strong belief that they won't be able to take care of themselves in that situation, or if they have the belief that when they have to escape, they may not be able to do it and need to have a companion to help them, that's kind of where that fits in. The companion fills that need. It gives them that sense of security. Now, most people that have agoraphobia, that companion is going to be, you know, a family member, a neighbor, a close friend. Uh, often it's somebody in the family that lives with them, uh, but it can maybe also other family members. And there becomes a reliance on that person in order to get out, to get outside the house, to do things, whether it is, you know, having to go to the doctor or having to go grocery shopping. Um, and the, you know, it's, this is not to say that people may not have very legitimate reasons to have a companion. Maybe it's where they don't feel comfortable driving anymore because of eyesight problems, reaction time, other kinds of medical conditions. So we're, we're kind of ruling that part out because those, those would make logical sense. And, and that would be the, the proper thing to do, have somebody take them. Because, but they're not, it's not because they're having a fear of those situations. See, what the role of the companion does is it helps to it, it helps them to have somebody that is with them, that can step in if the anxiety gets out of control, if the anxiety starts overwhelming them, if they start to have a panic attack. In essence, it's that it's that kind of like that that safety blanket. It is that that panic button they can push that where boom, they've got the person that's with them and that can take care of it. And for some folks, that becomes a very effective way for them to, um, to to be able to get out and about. Other times, people still have the anxiety if that companion doesn't quite, you know, if they're if they're still not feeling like the companion would be capable of dealing with any situation that could possibly turn up. Now. This all sounds well and good, doesn't it? This, this sounds like, hey, this is a great solution to the problem of agoraphobia. I have these fears, and when I have a companion, the fears are not as intense, so I just need the companion. The problem is, is the companion actually helping you eliminate the fear? Is it helping you correct your beliefs about it? 
Or is it actually reinforcing the beliefs that says it's so bad, the anxiety is so bad, or the fear of something is so bad that I always have to have a companion? That's where the problem comes in. This is where with anxiety, what seems like the ideal solution to fix it can actually reinforce the problem. And that's, that's kind of the struggle. That's the struggle when you're looking at companions. I think about one particular family from years ago where it was a parent who had been struggling with anxiety and agoraphobia specifically for many years. And the uh, as long as there were children in the home, you know, older children, you know, you know, like junior high or teenagers, then this parent could leave the home. And they had a large family, and this worked for many years. The problem came when the youngest child moved off to college. Now the parent had, and the family had, a crisis. Because what had worked for years simply was a band-aid. It didn't actually resolve the problem. So, next time, I want to talk a little bit more about this and, and see what are things that we can do as a, uh, a way of helping to change and alter the beliefs rather than just letting a situation continue um, let's work towards the recovery from it, not just sticking the Band-Aid on it. All right? Catch you next time. Bye. The I Hate Anxiety podcast is for educational purposes only. And while I am a therapist, this podcast is not counseling or therapy. If you need counseling or therapy, seek out the services of a licensed professional in your area. And if you are in crisis, call the Crisis Call Center at 1-800-273-8255 or dial 911 or your local emergency number or go to your local emergency room.